Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown show. A show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Today, we're talking with Breanne Campbell. Bree is the co-founder and executive director of the Trans Sisters of Color Project in Detroit, Michigan. She served on the board of Positive Women's Network USA and on the National Advisory Board of Positively Trans. Bree didn't realize she was HIV positive until 2010, two months before coming out as transgender. When she learned her status, Campbell says her biggest challenge was deciding to live. She believes that having a support system helped but she was most impressed by her spiritual transformation after she decided to live. She felt empowered to take control of her life, although she didn't realize it at the time. Her activism was the beginning of her work on transgender advocacy. After being denied housing for being trans, she took her case to Equality Michigan and the Michigan Department of Civil Rights. This action put her in the public spotlight. In 2015, she co-founded Trans Sisters of Color Project in part as a responsive action to the national level of violence directed at trans women and gender non-conforming people of color. The project offers resources and lifesavers, including assistance with name change forms, aiming to uplift, influence, and impact the lives and well-being of trans women of color in the Metro Detroit area. Through trans-centric programming, services, resources, and community building efforts, TSOCP is a safe space where trans advocacy and activism lives and trans sisterhood thrives. The work has been challenging and Campbell has found solace in her faith, her community, and her sisterhood. She says it is what keeps her going as she continues her work in Detroit and travels across the country speaking out and advocating on behalf of trans community, especially issues disproportionately affecting trans women of color. Bree has said, all trans lives have to matter. When we start to devalue people based on their moral beliefs, we start to dehumanize people. Only when our lives are valuable will one murder spark mass chaos and people will say no more. Bree, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for all you do. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. That's great. Well, that was a lovely introduction. Yeah, I do my homework. <laughs> no, I find the stuff. I, I do my homework. Um, you know, I don't even remember when I met you, but I remember feeling close to you from the beginning, um, and I admire your spunk. I mean, you know, I think that people, when people see you, they go, like my mother would say, oh, that come out that little bitty girl. <laughs> but you are 
one of the toughest little people I know. <laughs> you know, you are. I mean, like you, you don't back down. You say what's on your mind. Um, you speak your truth. Yeah. So that's interesting because I haven't felt very, very fluid lately. Um, so thank you for reminding me. Sometimes you need that reminder of like who you are to kind of snap you back into reality. So thank you. <laughs> so you found out your status right before, right about the time you're also realizing that you you know you're going to live your authentic life as a trans woman. But <laughs> uh, then you get denied housing. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy year. Uh huh. You know, looking back on it, I think. It was all in divine order. Um, so I'm Muslim and um, not like practicing, mm-hmm. um, if that means anything. But no, um, I just remember one of my goals in transitioning was just not being trans. So I think that um, my HIV status and even just being discriminated against for housing were those things that kind of reminded me of who I was, right? and to not run away from it um growing up i always just knew that i was a woman but also had i really had like really i I grew up believing really rigid like gender uh, stereotypes right so for me i knew that um once i stepped into womanhood that was going to be it but um being discriminated against and now like what, seven years later, mm-hmm. looking back on it, I now look at things way differently. Like, um, for me, even like hearing about people talk about like my energy or like this, these things that I've had, uh, this energy that I have, right. Mm-hmm. Um, has been really interesting. Cause I feel, I feel like I'm always running from that. Um, but one thing I, I will say is that, um, over the last couple of years, I think trans communities particularly like black trans women have really helped me helped shape who I am as a person and like how I view myself um because the way I view myself as a trans woman is not the way I view myself as a trans woman when I first transitioned right um to not be so hard on myself to like embrace those things that society would tell us that we we shouldn't have right and like even to like radically like love myself through all the BS that happens um oftentimes when I feel like I'm in um experiencing my most trauma the most the most trauma in my life I look at and I reach out to to black trans women because I feel like that um they understand Uh right and not even that they they understand but I think we've just as black trans women have figured out really unique and and really interesting ways to survive and so I think that that's really it's really helpful in those moments where I don't feel like I'm surviving to like talk to another you know black trans woman who's like no sis like you can survive this let me tell you how I did it mm-hmm. or let me tell you how, let me let me connect you with someone else who I know have experienced that right so um yeah so like I don't know All I know is I I love and appreciate and enjoy being a black trans woman now. I wouldn't say that in the beginning. Hmm. When you said that, you know, you decided to live, 
What did you mean by that? <clears throat> um, so for me, uh, the, the analogy that I always, that always stuck with me was like, you know how when you try to take two magnets and you try to like force them together? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just kind of feel that pressure, right? No matter how hard you try to force them together, it's just that pressure. And like for a long time, I felt that. Never really knew what it was. Um, life always felt heavy. Even when I was like enjoying things or having like the, the best moments of my life, mm-hmm. it's still like that, that, that force. And um, when I took my first hormone shot, that was when it all went away. Mm. And I was just like, this was before I like started living my truth, like living full time or whatever that looks like for people. Um, for a, about six months, I was medically transitioning in private. So like my mom and my sister knew that was it. And so um, it was just interesting to me, interesting for me to go through that journey of now I look back on it that like. GMC phase of my life, gender nonconforming phase, because like, even though like people were assuming my gender, like I just felt like a woman, and it was funny. Like, um, slowly but surely, like I started to like remove things. Like I would get my nails done, um, make sure you know my eyebrows were like perfectly like waxed and like shaving and stuff like that. And um, throughout that time, that those were the times that I was most like viewed as a woman if that makes sense I felt like that people may not have been able to see me on the outside but they felt me on the inside if that made mm-hmm. sense so like a lot of times especially like men would would like hold open doors for me or like excuse me ma'am um whether it be like from the back or they're not like really looking at my face right mm-hmm. so it was like this energy and um Looking back on it now, if I, I think if I grew up with different gen ideas of what like gender look like, right, I may not exist in the world in the way in which that I do. Mm-hmm. Being uh, transitioning, fully transitioning into into my womanhood, right, was a survival tactic, and I don't think people hear that and people honor it. It honestly was safer for me to be. A trans woman than it was for me to be an effeminate gay man right mm-hmm. or even someone who's gender non-conforming I have a friend in New York that I love and respect and I follow them on Facebook and like every day they post stuff about like the horrible things that people say about them and they're just living their life right and so for me um I often think about my sisters who are not able to pass and whatever that looks like for people um and but I also honor them because I realized that um I have the privilege to be able to turn it on turn it off as a trans person right I'm goop people can google me but I, it's not like everyone like sees me walking down the street and they can like know who I mm-hmm. am or like read me as a trans person right and so um I just honor the fact that my sisters can be themselves every day and like have to like deal with like everything that the world like um the world throws at them and honestly as an advocate I think it's backwards and disrespectful to um push all of these like 
heteronormative ideas of what it looks like mm-hmm. to be trans, right? And value that more than we do uh, the girls who are actually, like, on the streets, the girls who are, like, living the lives, the girls who all of the politics are, like, wrapped around. No shade. I think about Marsha P. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Marsha P. Johnson was not a woman who people would think would pass, right? But she was able to accomplish so much. And, like, for me as an advocate, um, and I'll talk about this later with TSOCP, that was important to me. When I, when I look back on my journey, I realized that it was easy for me. Like, I've had mm-hmm. moments, right? But um, even in those moments, I've realized how my ability to pass has allowed me to move out of those spaces unharmed, right? And so, for me, one of my politics is, like, although, yes, I am living my authentic truth, I don't want people to get wrapped up in it and to get confused and to think that that's, like, all trans experience, right? Or that even my experience should be, like, highlighted and elevated on a level mm-hmm. in which it is, right? Because, like, the reason why I'm doing the work is because of Amber, right? The reason why I'm doing the work is because of Shelly, right? The reason why I'm doing the work is because of Coco and these women are are no longer here because they were on the streets, right? I've never had, that's never been my narrative. Um, and I would never claim that to be my narrative, which is why I work so hard to move resources to make sure that the girls who are actually experiencing all the things that I'm advocating for have a voice, right? And can be able to talk about how those things have, how those experiences have like shaped them, right? But then also to um, give, communities an option right um and an option of like one controlling your narrative right what do you want to do with this narrative what do you want to accomplish by telling your story right and then also too like in that story right there's also like hopes and dreams and ambitions and I want to pull that out and and use the resources that TSOCP can get right to like make sure that that whole person is being nurtured not just that trauma you know, you said how, you know, initially it was just around your family, but you also talked about that sisterhood, and that's one of the things that I love is that sisterhood. Mm-hmm. When I'm with you, and or I'm around, you know, a group of people, like at the Transgender Day of Remembrance, you love each other. We do. It is so clear. And I mean, and like sometimes people will go like, you know, will ask me like, well, you know, why are you hanging? You know, it's because there's that love and it's so real, you know, when you started to, you know, you said you started taking your hormones and everything. How did you, who was your first family member outside of your biological family, your first trans family member? And how did you make that connection? Um, one person I can think about in particularly, um, Chantrell Blue. Mm-hmm. She's a performer. Um, very beautiful. Um, so uh, there was another trans woman that I met who kind of turned me off from transitioning. Um, I remember meeting her and um, being just very, like, intrigued by her. And then, like, she was like, oh, yeah, well, if you want to be a girl, you got to get an ad and, like, you know have sex for money so you can get surgery and that you could do all of these things and for me I always remember that being like that felt really just not authentic to me as a person 
Um, and I was like, well, no, like, I want to work. Like, I don't want to have sex for money. Like, I don't want to be like, a, I don't want to be like a plaything to people, right? Mm-hmm. Not really understanding that a lot of times, like, women are, trans women particularly, are like actually like forced out into these like economies, right? Mm-hmm. And um, fast forward, like, maybe six months later, I just so happened to meet Chantrell, and she was just really sweet to me. Um, a lot of the girls that I was hanging out with, I guess, could sense that I was in the process of transitioning, and, like, we're just being, like, just really, like, catty and, like, mm-hmm. you know, probey, and she just was just really, like, sweet, right? And um, I saw her that one time, and then uh, saw her a couple of times throughout the years, but this was, like, as she was performing, like, hey, just mm-hmm. kind of, like, letting her know, like, hey, like, I'm, I'm, fo- I'm watching you, I'm following you, and... Like, to this day, I think seeing her, and we don't see each other often, but she just, she gets really excited to see me. And the same excitement that she has to see me is the same excitement that I have to see her, right? And it's just really interesting how, like, even here at home, like, I always find myself apologizing to black trans women here when we see each other, like, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't been around, I haven't seen you. And I think one thing that like encourages me and it helps me do the work is that the girls understand they tell me all the time like you don't have to apologize like we know that you're like doing this bigger thing for us right (laughs) and I'm happy that they recognize that because I feel like that as an advocate sometimes mm, who I am as like Brie can oftentimes overshadow the organization and like what we're doing and I'm glad that like one thing I I'm very happy about is that if cis people don't understand what we're doing, black people don't got to understand what we're doing, organizations don't have to understand what we're doing, but as long as the girls understand that we're here for them and that we're we're doing the work, it's all that matters to me. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I, there's that there is that sisterhood that there is that sense of community where like to me um I often tell people like when you, they say, oh, well, you work a community organization, I said, you know, sometimes they can be like really fickle bitches, you know, and they just, and there is no love like they'll use, use you up and then just sort of throw you away and there isn't it, but there's, like they said, there's something that's really, you feel that sense of family, and I mean, and I have people who I call, who I know, like you said, it's like, oh, girl, I ain't that bad, you know, and they'll be like, well, you're talking to somebody who's trans, and I said, no, because they understand what I'm getting. I'm getting at, you know, and it's like it's not that bad, and it helps you get it in in perspective. But there's that sisterhood. Mm-hmm. There's that. It's like if you love me for me, I love you for you. Exactly. And that to me is like the best thing. I always think about, too, like, I'm not really good at communicating and keeping in touch with people on, like, a regular basis, but even in my moments where I'm tired and I just don't want to anymore, if my phone rings and it's one of the girls and they have a need, like, it's just that thing that that has to happen, right? And so, like, I, the way I look at it as, um, there are some girls that only see me occasionally in a blue moon. And it's really interesting, two things. One, I think that whatever I help them with in their life is so meaningful for them that they, like, 
take that with them. So every time they see me, they're like always like really like, thank you, Brie, for doing that thing, right? And it could be like a, the giving a girl a, a thing of mace, right? Or paying her bills, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my gosh. Or like even hearing checkups, like, Brie, you did this thing and you told me you told me to do this thing and this is what happened afterwards. Like, to see how many trans women now are working in Detroit, right? And nonprofit and outside of nonprofit, right? Um, I mean, we have like trans artists coming out of Detroit. We have like people who have like been in like politics, right? We have a trans police officer, like all of these Uh things have like happened, right? Um, And I'm not gonna say like as a direct result of like TSOCP or me, but I will say that what I hear from trans communities is that I'm not perfect and the community knows that I'm not, but they see me trying every day. They see me working hard. They see me making difficult decisions in order to protect our community members, right? And every time I'm like, this is what's going on. And people are like, I couldn't have your job. Like, mm-hmm. and I always have to like tell people like anything, everything that I do like circles back. Is this really beneficial to the girls, right? And if at any given point that I feel like it's not, I'm gonna drop it, right? And at any given point in time that I feel like the, the situation is gonna be like, toxic to our community and pull our, I'm gonna pull us out because at the end of the day like I'm not only responsible for an organization right I'm ex- responsible for my sisters right I'm responsible for the girls that are going to come after us and that's a lot of pressure and for the last two years we've been like really like stretching ourselves thin working on all of this stuff that really mm-hmm. didn't move work that was like meaningful for trans women right mm-hmm. especially in the city of Detroit and so now like being tired and being and seeing how like it hasn't helped us get anywhere like for me just really being focused and and reminding myself of that like right if it doesn't okay all right if it doesn't speak to us if it doesn't involve us then like why do we have to do it and no shade we've been pulled in to do a lot of work that we can't move like no I'm not trying to change anybody's mind about how they feel about me or if I should have, mm-hmm. like, access to bathrooms or have the right to work, right? Like, those are important things that we should be fighting for, right? But no shade, like, trans people need housing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need people to stop beating and killing us, right? We need people, we need, you know, medications, uh, food. We need access to all of these things. and And people always find a way to, like, kind of, like, minimize that and like say like let's focus on this like bigger thing right Mm -hmm. and when we do focus on those bigger things and we get those bigger wins i.e gay marriage right gay people are getting married nobody gave nobody cared about like trans people having access to Mm -hmm. bathrooms or even having you know the right to work in the state of michigan so how important is it that (laughs) you know because you often hear people um even from within the white trans community in the LGBT community where people have this narrative of what being trans is. Okay, like you said, oh, well, of course they've gone through sex work and they've all, you know, they had to do, they did that so they could have this surgery. I mean, you know, God bless her. Janet Mock, okay, in her book, she goes through that. So people, Mm -hmm. someone in their mind have this narrative of, of what it being a trans woman, particularly being a trans woman of color, how important is it to to break that? And how do you find that it it really 
like limits. I mean, like there are, like you said, we have people who are someone on police department, people who are working in other jobs, mm -hmm. but suddenly does it keep people, some sisters in, in the closet, like, because there's this, this looming narrative about or what people assume your life has been. That's a good question. Um, I don't, I think it, that reminded me of like cis men. So like disclosing that I'm a trans woman to cis men always gets me, it, well, let me rephrase. Cis men are okay with the fact that I'm trans. I think what, ca what comes after that is always really scary. They're more interested in like how you perform sexually than they are about like getting to know you as a person, right? So I mm -hmm. think I, that was like the first thing. So like, I think it's a struggle as a black trans, I feel like it's a catch 22. People want to hear my experiences. They only want to hear, they only want to hear it to a certain extent, right? Mm -hmm. And then, but then when I speak out too much, people feel the need to like silence, remove, stifle what I'm trying to say, right? Um, and I've experienced this several times in my activism where um, for whatever reason, whatever message I was trying to get out, people were trying to squash, right? And um, it has painted have been painted as like angry right or divisive um there was a facebook post that um one of our board um members put out and she was talking about how happy that she was that the trans sister of color project was doing all this work and like um happy to be a part of an organization that was actually doing things and a white trans woman came and she posted and she said why does it have to be trans sister of color why does it have to be sep? Why do why do why are you guys like being separatist? And I was like, and I just read her status, and I didn't respond in a nice the, the nicest way, but I was also like really offended that when communities of color, and I'll just be mm -hmm. very clear, when Black trans women come up with their own solutions, we're all we're often like vilified and t and like. People are like, oh, well, like, we need to come together, right? Without actually, like, having, without re-examining history, right? We've always been left behind, right? Mm -hmm. The gay rights movement did it. The HIV movement did it. The civil rights movement did it. Like, all of these, like, different, in different times and spaces, right? And so, oftentimes, I have to find, I find myself defending my work when I really shouldn't have to, right? It's self-explanatory. We created an organization for trans women of color, right? For trans women of color, right? To be very clear, black trans women were the ones who created the organization, right? Mm -hmm. Black trans women and three cis gay men, right? But, um, and oftentimes, when we talk about, like, color, right? Black gets erased. And looking back on it now, um, we decided to, to move forward as the Trans Sister of Color project because we also recognize that like it's hard enough as black girls to like move work, right? So like we were like, well do we wanna do do we want this to just be the what would it be, the trans the black trans sisters of color the mm -hmm. black sisters of color project, mm -hmm. right? 
And we were like, well, you know, what about our trans Latinas, right? What about anybody who's non-white who needs to find a place? Are they supposed to create their own space or can we, can we carry this work? And black trans women have been doing that for a long time. We've been carrying the work of a lot of communities, right? Without actually getting like the recognition or being centered in it. And, you know, when we created this organization, I never in a million years thought it was gonna be this hard to like fight for resources, funds, space, um, because I always, I was seeing it. Uh, we were talking earlier about um, people talking about there's money in like trans work, mm-hmm. right? And and I, I was seeing it and like, it's like this catch 22 where we have the experience, we know the work that we wanna move, right? But because we're like a new organization, um, we haven't produced real work. Mm-hmm. I'm using air quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that it's not like valid like people think that we're just a support group and we're more than that like we pay people's bills we keep people safe right we have safe self-defense classes we're um, working on a, like a GED program we've helped people change name get their names changed their gender markers changed I've paid people's tickets to keep them out of jail I've bailed people out of jail right that's work right mm-hmm. but because it's not like we tested 465 mm-hmm. trans women mm-hmm. in a year right that that it's not like it's not like you know valid and um I'm working on a report for this year we've we've done a lot of work this year that I'm really proud of um and um to really show people like we're not a support group right Mm -hmm. we're not we're not some like girls who are just like raising money like people have this idea that no shade that I like live lavishly and mm-hmm. I don't like mm-hmm. I get a small stipend from Transistor Color Project right um that stipend is enough to pay my rent my rent is $550 mm-hmm. right <laughs> so and like all of the rest of the money that I use that I make to like survive comes from my fiance right or like from me like having to like you know travel do little odd and end jobs and stuff like that and like it just pulls away from like the organizing that I'm trying to do here but also um our board is just full of members of society who are trying to survive right Mm -hmm. so like all of us are like basically living like paycheck to paycheck right for uh, a majority of my staff like I'm the paycheck right Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they're like surviving off of and every all the other funds that they get is like it just comes to them right Mm -hmm. and so it's always a struggle like and it's funny because like I struggle to pay my bills right but I'm also like mindful that like my my other members need to survive too so it's just really interesting how like we'll call each other and be like one of us will not have money and the other ones will <laughs> always be the ones to be like well look girl I got a hundred bucks and it's three of y'all that need money so we can split it three ways right mm-hmm. and it's just really I think that's the reason that keeps me going in this work not like you know the awards or the money and I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> um and you know like the accolades like I think for me it's just really being uh, being there and like being a supportive force to my sister I can my sisters I can go work in in a in a, in a field that's not nonprofit and make money and and live my life but also I don't think I would be happy okay we're going to take our first break
This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. With uh, our conversation with Bree Campbell, who is the found, one of the founders and executive director of the Trans Sisters of Color Project. You know, Bree, when you were talking about, you know, how you do it, one of the things that, that I also love about my black trans sisters is that's probably, you know, people want to talk like you're separate, and, and, that, and it makes me mad about the community, how they do it. But what you're doing. That's the black card. We have always, you know, been doing that up until, you know, we got all this craziness, how we took care of each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I often recall my grandmother, would, there was always one more space at the table. She'd say, we just had to slice it a little thinner. And that's what we do. And the thing that often drives me crazy is that now you hear our black community steps back and like trans people are something no there are black sisters and our black brothers and why don't you care about them like i was at ruth ellis and i was telling pam alexander and i said you know it bothers me that there are some black people who can sit back and be okay with our sons and daughters simply because they're gay, but especially if they're trans, being victimized, mm-hmm. being harmed, mm-hmm. being in harm's way. And, you know, I don't know how we go back to, to making that, but it's sort of like, that is just, to me, it's just like, how do you, you cut off part of your, your own community and then expect to come up with statistics, you know, like, oh, like you said, we got this many, many tested. What does it matter if you got this many tested when you still have people who are hungry? So you're just basing it on numbers, but even our organizations have gotten into that whole mindset of, oh, well, you've got to have numbers, you have to do this, and, and we're not going to support you if you don't do it this way. And then there's that whole moral thing, mm-hmm. you know, because I was talking to someone and I said, like, you know, I don't care what anybody's doing. No one should be attacked or shot because they're walking down the street, no matter what they're doing. No one should be attacked or shot or killed. How do you say that that's okay? You know, and particularly in a city like Detroit, which is predominantly black, and you have black women, you know, there's not a safe space. Mm-hmm. You know, do you feel a part of a black community? Or do you really feel like, you know, separated from that? Or is there any growth or anything there? 
I will always and forever be black, even Thank if you. black people won't accept me. That's that's something that other black people have to deal with. That's mm-hmm. not my issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you were talking, the thing that came to mind for me, I, I wonder how many slaves were killed because other slaves were silent, right? And I, I believe we live in, and we, we still slaves, right? Mentally, mm-hmm. um, some of us physically, some of us spiritually, right? And so for me, I find it frustrating that my black brothers and sisters will not stand up for my trans brothers and sisters, trans people, right? But we're always doing it for them. I think about it all the time. Like if I was just driving on the street and I saw a black woman getting beat up, I wouldn't just ride past and Mm -hmm. and tell her good luck. I would stop and I would do something. If I was riding on the street and a black man got pulled over and the cops were being rough with him, I would stand in that gap, right? Because it's the right thing to do, right? Um, Because as a black trans woman who has experienced several different, um, you know, oppressions on several uh, levels, right? I still understand that my cis black brothers and sisters um, are also living under um, uh, under a certain threat, right, in, mm-hmm. in the world. And so I think it's just as my job as a black person to stand up for that, right? Now, I could be first, and this is what irritates me. You could be mad that I'm trans. You don't have to like it, right? But when you see people, like, physically abusing or, like, being, like, harmful to, like, my body, right? You should you should stand in, right? But also, um, I think white supremacy has um, taught us not to care for black bodies, even mm-hmm. if we're black, right? And so the same violence that I see happening in trans communities is the same violence that I see happening in black male communities and black and you know black women cis women communities and it's just like dang right and I think also to for I think it's a it's a hard thing for the black community to actually like acknowledge us to honor us um, and to respect us because then they'll have to deal with the fact that black people love us, right? Men and women. Um, I think that a part of the reason why cis men are so violent with trans women is because they either are or want to be intimate with us. And it's really amazing to me how disposable cis men think that black trans women are considering that And we, 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 we hold on to their secrets, right? Mm-hmm. They abuse us, we hold on to their secrets, right? Um, they pick us up on the street, we hold on to their secret. They call the ad, we hold on to their secrets, right? We're literally holding the secrets of black communities, right? And so I think by honoring us and by saying that they see us, that they'll also have to deal with the fact that we're desirable. And I think that that's the thing that keeps any community from embracing trans communities is because people think that we're we're undesirable, which is definitely not definitely definitely not true. Um, it really boggles my mind to know how many cis men are attracted to trans women who could never like be open and honest about it. 
um, reminds, reminds me of like grade school, like when they're like the boy who picks on you, likes you, right? Mm-hmm. Just being grown little boys, right? Picking on us because they really like us for real. Is that part of the reason? You know, I mean, when you stop and you think, that is, I mean, there are so many complexities and being a trans sister of color, black, that right in there, that you're holding the secrets of black women, that, that is just one of the reasons why there has to be a separate community. I mean, I uh, we have our white trans friends and we know them. They could never grasp that. Mm-mm. They never grasp that because you know they just wouldn't. There's there's so many things that that just that white skin gives them access to that gives them the pass on that you live in this. You wake up, you're black each and every day, and it it it, it colors everything. So. You decided, you know, when when you were, and I know John, uh, Liliana, when you started talking about doing this organization, this mm-hmm. this project, what you needed to do, and to be more inclusive, to include other people of color, because some of the things that they um, experience are similar to ours. You know, it's not on that white spectrum. You know. Yeah, Liliana, I know. I mean, she's Latina. Mm-hmm. And John. And, and how did you got, what was this conversation? I mean, was it, did you just sort of sit down and, and how did you decide what exactly you were going to do? Or did you just say, we're just going to start responding to what's happening and and then figure out the rest? Because you didn't go in and say, oh, well, we're going to have a program about this and we're going to have a little self-help program and a program to do right, to do um write resumes and find jobs and and do this and that you just sort of like rolled up your sleeves and just dove in there to do work (laughs) yeah it seems like that um we had a plan i just think life and just community just took that plan and said actually no this is not what's happening right (laughs) so uh to be clear uh john uh, Trimble, uh, David Perrette, and uh, Chris uh, Sutton are all uh, will forever and always be known as like members who have helped us build and develop this organization. But uh, moving forward, um, Trans Sister of Color Project is led and ran by trans women mm-hmm. of color. Um, that was a hard decision to come by, um, but also I think um, the guys and the girls agreed that um, in order for this organization to really work that we wanted to like really like put our money where our mouth is right mm-hmm. so to like have a whole um organization that's really reflective of community right um and still like john david and tall guy um are still mm-hmm. like supporters and like help us you know in things but um i think it just looks different um having a fully trans board a trans staff um so that um we can like be in control of like our destiny and our own and you know our own narratives that's um one thing and i think um when we started we wanted to do like programming um we were thinking about um kind of like a um a holistic like 
year-long thing where people can go through to like do like the resume building name changes um like exploring like who you are as a person what do you want to do with your life right and people will graduate at the end um and we just through different things just realized that that wasn't the priority we were gonna um as an organization respond to the bathroom uh the bathroom bills and when they first came out and um, we had a meeting with some of our members and they were just like no like that's not interesting to us we're gonna use whatever bathroom that we want to use we're gonna fight if people pull us out of bathrooms we just need to know that you're gonna come and help get out and I'm like okay I can agree to that right so like then it was like so many community members like started to like pass away and people were like short on burial money mm-hmm. and as trans is their color project we've buried more cis gay men than we've buried trans women and that's only because these particular people have had like a really big impact on trans communities um in detroit so um it was trans women coming up to us saying hey these people are short they need this money and you know because black trans women asked for it like we did it right Mm -hmm. and so um you know I feel like that the more that I do the work the more that the priorities will 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 you know show themselves and I think for me taking a step back there's people doing HIV work there's people doing um name changes people who are doing like anti-violence work we don't have to do that right I think of all of those services and like the gaps that are missing so like for HIV for instance like you want people to get tested you want people to find out that they have HIV you want people to take medications right you don't care people are where people are living Mm -hmm. right people have access to food and stuff like that so like I'm a firm believer that this organization is um a whole filler if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so like I look for all of the gaps that the organizations that are currently running um when it comes to to trans women right see those gaps and then I just figure out ways in which that like we can fill them so for instance like I was seeing a lot of posts on on Facebook about people having trouble paying their bills right trans women Mm -hmm. and so we had some money in our budget and I was like well let's help right so it started off as like a pilot more people came than we expected right but also um with each individual like person that was coming to me and just telling me about like their needs and what they wanted to do I could not help them right it wasn't like I need money for like food right like people needed money for like one girl was like oh I need um my insurance paid for my car and it made sense to pay her insurance because she was working right not only was she working she had a record so if the police pulled her over they were going to take her to jail right Mm -hmm. if she didn't have insurance they were going to take her car so to prevent all of those things from happening what a 350 dollar like insurance payment Mm -hmm. right and i don't think people realize the the money that we're giving people is actually like preventing people from like no shade like going to jail Like, and so, like, that that's one of the biggest things that I want to prevent. Like, as long as I could keep a girl out of the system, I'm willing to do it, right? Um, but also, I think that's why it's important for just communities to run their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Because we will get so caught up in trying to do things that benefit other people, and we'll get lost in it. 
But you know, it's it's sort of like you provide like a home base. Do you know what I mean? It's like I can't go and change my name. Like you said, if my car's been seized and I'm in jail, mm-hmm. I can't go and get this job. You know, if you know, I can't eat. You know, so it's like you're taking care of. There are these organizations and entities that, yeah, their job is to get people tested. Mm-hmm. That this is what they get, and that's what they're doing. But that day-to-day existence, what keeps you alive? Because if you don't stay alive, you can't go do all of this. This is what it seems like that, like the that Trans Sisters of Color project is doing. It is being, you know, it's like how when your mother comes and gets you up, make sure you get your clothes on so you can go to school and get the education. She might not be, she's not homeschooling, she's not educated, but she gets you dressed, she makes sure that you have what you need. And I think that what you've identified is that part, that yeah, there's a whole lot of people wanna do programs. There's a whole lot of people do programs, but when I'm sitting there and I'm down, and like you said, I don't have anything. And there's someone to say, hey, you can have 30 of this what I've got. Mm-hmm. And then you can get up and go ahead and do that because sometimes that's what you need to get up and go and get this next thing and go and do that. It's not about, you know. Right. It, it, you know, yeah, there's all these places that you can go and do it. You don't have to wear all the hats, but what the hat you're wearing is you're being the soul of this entity, mm-hmm. of, the, of this community. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to tell trans women all the time when they come to me and they talk about just their experience with other organizations, I have to remind them, like, that's not what they're designed to do. Mm-hmm. And regardless to, like, how much you associate this thing with that organization and, and you expect them to help you, it's not what they're supposed to do. Like, and so I think that's where a lot of our community members have gotten so frustrated and, and, and no longer want to be engaged with nonprofit because nobody, people aren't being honest about what they can and can't do. So, and no shade, I feel like that one of the concerns that I have here in the city of Detroit is that, like, trans people, a lot of people can't find, like, housing, like, Mm -hmm. shelters, right? For trans people and for LGBT people, they they do this thing about, like, you can't be LGBT, whatever the case may be. And I think it's just interesting that, like, all of these organizations, especially, like, HIV organizations that are, like, we want to reduce risk have not like band together and and demanded something better from these shelters and housing entities in the city of Detroit, right? Which would make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's something that they could do, right? They couldn't just one day wake up and say, Hey, we're gonna give people housing vouchers because that's not what that's not the work that they mm-hmm. do. Sorry, I didn't mean to clap. That's okay. But um so yeah, so like like I said, I think for me moving forward, my work is like really that like what can I do? What kind of resources can I move to kind of help you with your day-to-day stuff? Because I don't see too many organizations dealing with that. And it's funny, too, because I also think about what communities were doing before Trans Sister of Color Project was in existence. And it, it's, it's exactly this, right? Listening and figuring out solutions, right? So, like, I remember when I was 16 and, and, and hearing about a lot of trans women who were struggling they always had someone that they could go to who could like house them for the night feed them give them some money right so like me as an individual and throughout and and through the organization like I want to be there I want to be able to be like what do you need sis Mm -hmm. and 
like, oh, that's it? Like, here you go, you know? Because I, um, like today when I went to go, it's just like the, the small thing. I don't think people realize how traumatizing it is to just exist, right? Like, so today I went to go get um, a new driver's license because I lost mine. They printed my copy and it had the wrong gender on it and I went to correct it and it, it turned out to be this whole big thing that I wasn't expecting, right? And I just remember at some point halfway through just standing there and, and like wanting to like disappear, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Pass out and just leave. And like, I'm like, you can't do any of those. You have to get this. You have to get this. This driver's license, you need it to drive, right? Well, also like, why is it that every time that I'm going to take care of business that somebody feels the need to like bring up my gender, talk about my gender, right? Or like question me, like the lady, her thing was, well, we can't change it, you need a passport. And I'm like, all right, your birth certificate, I'm like, I have my passport and look at the gender Mm -hmm. of my passport. She like goes in close enough to um, pretend whisper, you know, whisper enough to let you know that they were whispering but saying it loud enough so everybody else can hear it mm-hmm. she was like did you have surgery and i and then my, my first mind was like that's none of your business thank you mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but like mm-hmm. she felt it was appropriate right i responded um in a way that was comfortable for me right but just like and then having to like watch her go and talk to her boss and her boss look at me funny and then them go in a room and talk for like five minutes about like doing something like my passport says one gender yeah put it on there like why is there all this discussion right to then come and have to process all of this paperwork and so like i just i want to be the resource that like helps the girls navigate the world that's like consistently just like harsh right for no reason at all Mm -hmm. for no reason yeah exactly i mean you've got your passport i mean this is it you know and all of that other wasn't you know it's like but something said to her that it was appropriate for her to ask you Mm -hmm. that and it's not and but I can see like you said like you had to stay there but to have that resource to have a place to where you could pick up the phone later on and say do you know what I just went through and to have people say you Mm -hmm. know and and then how do we how do we you know we have to fix this and maybe you're not the ones who's going to fix it but you know so that the next one knows who that goes that you got to just say I've got my my passport or put out there don't go to this one because they're they're ignorant you know and you know that's that's I think our, and that's our programs are really built on experience so when I thought about it too someone else told me that it was easy all you had to do was go get the form like you're getting a new ID slide it to them if they print it when they print it up and they ask for you to confirm if the gender's wrong you just tell them it's wrong and you show them this your passport and you're good right mm-hmm. so now i know that's not the process so i would never tell a girl that it's that easy mm-hmm. i would tell her like hey take your passport they're gonna they're gonna push back and it's probably gonna make you uncomfortable but just know that they can't tell you no mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. no these are the th- like i was like the lady's like oh well we can't do that i was like yes you can the aclu mm-hmm. says you can't says you have to and as she was in the office talking to her lady for the five minutes, I was on my phone doing the research and I found an article and I was waiting on her to come back and say, actually, no, I can't. So I could be like, actually, you can't. Right. Mm-hmm. So to give people those tools to be able to not have to go through those uncomfortable situations or at least feel empowered in them, because I feel empowered most of my days 
But at that exact moment, I felt really weak. Like, I felt like this woman was going to tell me no, and that was going to be it, and I was going to have to walk away feeling defeated, right? I got my stuff. I came home and I sage, and when I thought about it, I'm like, you won, right? But also thinking, going back to my original statement was that some girls can't even can't even get through that those difficult situations in order to win Mm -hmm. they're like oh this is too uncomfortable let me go ahead and leave right not understanding that it was there you just have to fight a little bit harder and no shade i am also pushing back on this this whole like narrative where we feel like people who are oppressed need to fight a little bit harder like no shade i'm tired of fighting right Mm -hmm. my girls are tired of fighting so any work that i could do to make their lives a little bit easier i'm down for anything that's going to make it complicated totally against yeah you know i mean when you have to fight you have to fight but not some things you should not have to fight for and you know i think that our people like looking for you to be like you said that angry black woman thing that angry or the angry trans woman oh she's ready to come in no you know i want my i want my paper this is what i've got yes you can you know (laughs) yes you can we don't have to argue we don't have to go back Yes, you can. I think it's wonderful that you were able to pull over and go like, you were ready to go like, here, look at this. And she wasn't, and she wasn't nasty. Mm-hmm. When I thought, when I thought about it, when I got outside and I wasn't in my feelings, she was very nice. She was very accommodating. She was trying to figure out, she was trying to help, right? Mm-hmm. But that goes back to that, like, if I could have had a, a one-on-one conversation with her, it wasn't my job to do that at that moment. Mm-hmm. To just be like, there's ways in which you could have made this easier for me. Mm-hmm. Or for people like me, right? Mm-hmm. And because she's a cis woman, she never has to think about her gender coming into question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think about most people. Like, if you're on the phone and someone misgenders you and calls you, like, like you're on the phone, Michelle. Mm-hmm. You're on the phone with, like, AT&T and they're like, I'm sorry, sir. What would you do? You would correct them and, you would mm-hmm. correct them and be like, no, sorry, ma'am, right? Mm-hmm. You would keep it moving, right? I don't think it has the same impact for cis people as it does mm-hmm. for trans people, especially considering that majority of the times that people are doing it, it's coming from a place of, like, ill intent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Every time that I've been misgendered by someone on the phone or in person, it has been ill intent. People, and, and, it, and it's funny because it also happens too. Like with people who are like who have been close to me, like people who I've confided in. As soon as they get mad at you, that's the first card that they want to pull. Well, it doesn't matter anyways, cause you're just a boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that. And one thing I'm learning is that even with my allies, I'm finding myself a little bit uneasy because I feel like that, especially if you're not trans, like you understand to a certain extent, and and I literally have had that like break friendships because people are transphobic at heart right and mm-hmm. I didn't want to believe that because I'm like well you're an ally you show up you call me by the right pronouns mm-hmm. but that doesn't really take away mm-hmm. from like the transphobia that's deep inside people and some people are really waiting for that moment for you to break that idea of what it is to be that respectable trans person to then put you in a boat with other the the the, the trans people that they consider other I'm using mm-hmm. air quotes mm-hmm. <laughs> oh you know and, and, and it's so too because I know that I was on the board with someone on a board with them and um as soon as things got funny they said to the traffic well you know you're not really and I, it triggered me to where you know you know i went out that's why we're still friends they said yeah you know you- 
here we have been all like that kumbaya moment until you got mad. And then you went, well, you know, you're not really. And you could see, you know, the harm that this person was doing. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, and it's sort of like, maybe that's part of it too. It's like that hurt. And it's like, you see that. And like often in groups that are supposed to be our allies and we're all supposed to be LGBTQ and whatever else and we're all sitting around here doing that. And as soon as some person leaves the room, it's like they're going to talk about them because they're trans Mm -hmm. or not want to include them or then or say it to their face. And it's like we aren't one big happy community. You know, we aren't one big happy community as much as they, they want it when it looks like there's strength in numbers. But when it comes down to really fighting for everything, suddenly you recognize how much transphobia there is within the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. as well as without. And then, so I'm thinking back how you were saying how they were saying like, well, why do you have to have like, why do you have to be separate trans sisters of color? Because, because, because phobias acknowledge them and then how do we work past it? But most of them are like, oh no, we're all okay. And, and then suddenly, you're the one, like you said, well, you know, Brie wants to have that separate organization or Brie wants to talk about it this way. So suddenly, instead of you see the problem and you're filling in the gap, that then you have people who want to make it like you're the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My uh, uh, Aya, Yaya, um, mm-hmm. the heart, mm-hmm. she said something to me a while ago that like really stuck with me. She was like, you know what, to be honest, the only thing that's keeping a lot of us in relationship is trauma, right? She was like, she was talking about trans specifically, community, uh, trans community specifically. She said, if we all weren't trans and didn't have that one thing in common, we wouldn't be friends, we wouldn't fool with each other, we wouldn't like each other, right? And so I, I take that to the larger LGBT community. No shade. There are some lesbians that hate trans women, right? Mm-hmm. Some gay men that hate trans women, right? And and I'm pretty sure it, it can go either way on the mm-hmm. spectrum, right? For either group, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, no shade. We're all LGBT because since the LGBTQ movement, like, was created, right? They were all like, oh, let's all hang out together because we're all experiencing the same oppression, right? But, I mean, that was white people, black people, people of color, right? We all didn't have the same experiences. We all didn't like each other, right? But we were all moving towards this, like, bigger thing, right? And so, like, I've always, I'm starting to, like, realize now that just because, like, you're trans and I'm trans doesn't mean that we're going to like each other. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we're going to have the same idea of what liberation looks like. Doesn't mean we're going to have the same politics, right? But also, like, navigating through that, too, in a lot of these spaces. So, for me, I am very clear about protecting my energy in black spaces in spaces that um, imply that they're only for cis women, right, and in in gay spaces, because I feel like that um, those, in those spaces, I always feel the most tension, Mm -hmm. because I'm always either fighting with those groups around, like, my gender, my race, or both, and, um, yeah, so, like, I think LGBT, the LGBT community is, like, a nice that's a nice thing to say, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, the last couple of years, we've been just seeing how just different groups of, like, the LGBT community don't want to be involved with other groups, right? Mm-hmm. We see the whole, like, should the T be removed from LGBT, right? Um, right? You see, like, 
gay men having like really horrible politics around trans men right mm-hmm. you have cis lesbians having horrible politics around trans women right or even like vice versa right so like and I don't know I don't I think it's just really interesting how we've painted the community to be like this this rainbow and like we're all in like one accord um we're really not but also too I think for some people people who are like really invested in that community um idea of the LGBT community are also the ones who benefit most from it so like I think of like white gay men right Mm -hmm. um lesbians right well Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know what I'm saying like Uh people who who benefit from that whole like community idea because no shade like I could see how like a white gay man could be in 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 the gay community and feel like this is the best thing ever right Uh but Uh like for me when I'm with trans communities I'm like this is the best thing ever right but when I'm with like other LGBT communities it always just feels very like walking on ice one of the things um, after Transgender Day of Remembrance someone said um, in fact that Sunday I had gone back over to the church and uh, someone said you know the thing that was nice it was really nice and that it was really great to have trans women of color and someone said but there were no trans men um why, I mean, I think that I've talked to enough black trans men to understand, you know, why that level of visibility that, you know, sometimes it's easier to like fade into the, to the heteronormative world. But um, do you see coming through or have, do you have interaction with, with black trans men through uh, trans sisters of color who are saying like, you know, what do we need to do? How do we emulate this? Or how do we find our voice? Yeah, so um, a couple years ago, I was really interested in like looking for uh, black uh, male trans communities. But then I was like, "Mm, not interested, right? Cause Mm -hmm. like, I get it. like. There is a level of the the same dangers that are present for trans women are also present for trans men, right? Although society wouldn't perceive it the way because people are like, well, they're men, they can pass easier. But I think like the level of violence, um, especially from cis men, is like there, right? Mm-hmm. But I am a firm believer of people of people creating their own spaces. So when we started there was um one particular trans man in the community who does work with us who was like why don't y'all never do anything for trans men and i was like well one like i'm not a trans man i don't hang out on trans man communities right so the trans men have been doing their own work at like mm-hmm. in like meeting and like figuring out their politics and like what they want to do and like as trans sister color project i'm like just let us know how we can support I don't. I think it would just be inappropriate to take on that work. Just like I think it's inappropriate for, like, white trans people to take on, like, black trans work, um, cis people to take on trans work. Like, it's just really problematic. So, um, they're there. I will say that, um, we will probably be seeing more trans men once 
because I feel like now that the um the same ways in which trans women were fetishized like back in the day when people were first realizing mm-hmm. about us it's the same things that's happening like trans men people are just saying saying really disgusting things about their body mm-hmm. um um you know fetishizing them in, in really disgusting ways um uh talking about them like they're less than human misgendering them mm-hmm. um you know that whole like you're not a man until or um so it's there um it's also really sad because like I've seen like trans community like trans women communities go through that and like how we've kind of like you know kind of like grew from that um but also I think just just being a trans person in general like it's just something you'll never get away from people will always like have these like questions fantasies about your body and like it doesn't matter like like I think about when I when I cover fully like people find out I'm trans and I'm covered they're like oh what's under that what's under that mm-hmm. thing you got on right there mm-hmm. like right um and I think too one thing I'm very mindful of is I hate when people ask me like oh you're trans like because their follow-up questions are just like how much of a girl are you right mm. like oh you've only been a woman for two years are you on hormones? Oh, you're not on hormones? Oh, you got some work done? Oh, you ain't got no work done? Okay, you're not... A, like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, just always people p- picking and pulling apart. And it was something that I also <clears throat> recognized that I did as a person. Not just with trans people, just people in general. We've been taught to, like, look at things and, like... I don't know, focus on the things that we feel like are, like, abnormal, right? So, like, I think about people who I and other people in society may consider overweight, Right? Um, I wouldn't say that, but, like, other people in society would, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, how, like, when I was younger, we were taught to pick on, like, the kids with glasses, the kids who, you know, who society would say were, like, overweight, the weird kids, the gay kids, right? So we're automatically looking for, I feel like people are are always looking for something or someone that they could look at and point at and say, like, oh, well, at least I'm not that, or at least Mm -hmm. I'm better than that, right? And... Um, I was having some issues with just about how like people were like reading me and I took a step back and I was like well you do it to people so now when I find myself gazing a little too long mm-hmm. or like formulating an opinion about somebody mm-hmm. whether it's positive or negative I'll check myself and be like wait pause like one time I was sitting on the train and this lady was gorgeous she was just everything was put together mm-hmm. and I was looking at her and I was like wait Brie like if she looks nice just tell her she looks nice and I was like you look really nice she was like thank you you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and I feel like that she didn't get dressed up in the morning to perform for me right Mm -hmm. and just like I'm not getting dressed up and and living my life to perform for other people and I I don't think people really think about just like the impact of like just the small things that we're doing from like pointing to someone misgendering someone to even like looking right the biggest the times that I have the most struggle in the world is when people are just looking at me mm-hmm. I'd rather you come up to me and be like hey you're interesting you're trans I don't like you versus just looking at me because mm-hmm. that make that takes my mind to another place right and um, you just never know we're going to take our second break here on our conversation with Bree Campbell the founder and executive director of Trans Sisters of Color Project. 
You're listening to Collections by Michelle Brown, and we will be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. Do you see something like trans sisters of color starting up in in other communities and other cities? Is there anything like this? People have always asked me to like, oh, you should start a trans sister of color project here. Like I travel a lot Mm -hmm. and they like the work that we're doing. And like one thing I want to be clear about is like TSOCP works for the girls Mm -hmm. in Detroit, right? I'm not sure if I have an issue with like outside entities going Mm -hmm. into places and telling Mm -hmm. people this is what you should do. What I am interested in is like if people would like to create a TSOCP style Mm -hmm. organization where they are like helping them navigate through that. But I like in the beginning we're like we should do TSOCP chapters across the country and I'm like I don't want to be responsible for telling somebody mm-hmm. about the work in their state that I don't live in, that I'm not visiting, that I have no, you know what I'm saying? I'm not mm-hmm. tied to, like. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like like it's sort of organic. So to me, yeah. I would see like in another city, it might not be even be called the same thing, but, but to have that space, mm-hmm. that sisterhood, that looking at, I could see where that would be, that that should like, I could see it happening in other places, and but not necessarily yeah. being like, you know, a chapter or you're franchising. Right, right. <laughs> but the the funny thing is, it is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Darenisha Duncan in, um, in Birmingham, Alabama, who's doing great work with her organization, Take. Um, you got Lords in D.C. with um, the Trans Sister of Color Collective. You have Elle Hearns in, um, out of New York with the um, Marsha P. Johnson Institute. You got people in Baltimore that's doing the work, in Philly that's doing mm-hmm. the work, in California. You know, all of these these spaces. And what I will say is that the reason why we don't hear or know about them is because they're very small. Mm-hmm. A lot of these same people that I've just named pay for a lot of the, the work that they're trying to move out of their own pockets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these girls have been demonized for taking a stand and like building and creating their own solutions in their community, right? So like, I think that's one thing that like, I'm also mindful of. I think if I didn't know these other executive directors and didn't hear about their struggles, I would have tapped out of TSOCP a long time ago. There's just a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of crap that we have to deal with mm-hmm. just as trans people and the ways in which people are trying to prevent us from working are um, 
sometimes really strategic and really like unimaginable like the ways in which like um people are like threatened by the work that you're doing or not don't value it so um and I never would have thought that there were other like black trans organizations as many as I've come in contact with since Mm -hmm. I've been um traveling the last two years but um they're there they're doing great work um no shade they're doing really great work with like communities donating and like you know getting small little like grants Mm -hmm. um so yeah we're just out there it's just that um you know the hrcs and 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 all of the other you know white trans organizations get the spotlight because they're bringing in the money so they have Mm -hmm. more money to be able to like do things Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's a different kind of work. Yeah. It's a different kind of work and you're not and that, and it's um it's that valuable. I mean, you know, so who do you Okay, so you're doing this work like you're taking care of your family. Looking what kind of, you know, I know that you're not doing the bathroom work, but what kind of of things if a bigger organizations were going to do something for for trans community, for trans women of color, what kind of things, agenda, if they said, you know, give us an agenda, we'll go work on this, we've got the money, we've got the staff, we, we've got, we do this political kind of getting in there and doing it, what would be the short list of what you would say, get out there and get done for us and we'll, ha- we'll handle our people, you get that done? Hire trans people, one. Mm-hmm. So um, if you are a company, that can um, hire people, do that, right? Or advocate for, to make sure that people are hiring us, right? Um, politically, there's several things. Um, one, um, to decriminalize sex work. Um, and I'm only saying that because I think it's just really asinine to live in a state that can prevent trans people from working and then um, criminalize them for the only source of income that they have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on expunging the girls' records if they have, like, um, sex work, um, any type of, like, sex work tickets on their, um, on their records, because I don't, I don't, um, and, like, you know, making sure that we have, like, the, the, the right to work, um, the right to, like, housing, and, um, some type of legislation that holds people accountable for harming us, right? Whether mm-hmm. it be like physical assault or murder. Um, I think that, I think by holding people, by taking a stand and saying that we won't allow this to happen anymore, that will at least reduce the amount of incidences that trans people uh, mm-hmm. come in contact with violence. It's not going to eliminate it because, to be honest, like, there's all types of laws on the books mm-hmm. and it's not stopping people from killing us but I think that people feel like it is acceptable in the society to kill people especially now that people are still using the um, the the panic defenses mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is not true mm-hmm. so looking forward if um, coming to the end of the road as I say um, what can people do that would assist in neighborhoods, you know, something like that. But what would you say? 
that as you're looking at your sisterhood and you want to protect them, help them, see to the things that they need, what is your your list? Um, the safe space, definitely, um, for TSOCP. So, like, our one of our, like, goals is to have a 24-hour drop-in center um, and a transitional living program for the girls. So, it'll de- you know, definitely, like, one safe space for the girls to come where someone will always be that they can talk to. Um, that's one. Two, I mean, we're kind of doing this work now. Um, I think money is important. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who would like to donate to TSOCP, you could send a check to the Ruth Ellis Center and just put TSOCP in the memo. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, we've been, um, we're working on some solutions for next year. We'll have a self-defense class that's um, specifically for trans women of color. Um, we also hand out like mace and jabbers to make sure that like trans women feel safe. So like for me, I know that there is no like porch light for mm-hmm. the girls to like go and like, you know, if they're feeling like whatever. Um, but I know that in every contact that I have with the girls, I can give them something to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. So like Mace was um, something that I never thought we would be mm-hmm. giving out as an organization, but considering the amount of murders that have happened with trans women I just feel like one more tool that they can add <laughs> to their arsenal to keep them safe is like cool for me um also on an individual level I mean like people have to stop acting like we don't exist like if you see a trans person out like it's nothing to like say hey how are you I'm genuinely mm-hmm. concerned you have everything you need can I give you something um you know um and I just and like even in like people see like people being victims of crime all the time like stop and Mm -hmm. say something do something Mm -hmm. right um we have to stop living in a society Mm -hmm. where we think it's okay to uh we think it's okay to um dispose of people no really you know uh i mean it's it's just like so disposable people there should be no disposable people yeah I know one. One of the things when, you know, I had, I had talked to one uh, to Amara over there, and she said like she knows that she still steps over kids who are younger than her who are going through the things, and she doesn't want that to be that place where they're looking for some place to sit. And you know, so it's not just like dealing with today's problem; it's dealing with what's going on in the future, because a little Brie is being born today. You know, a little Brie is being born today. And you would think that we should all want it to be a better space. Mm-hmm. Well, for that little Brie out there who's being born today, trust yourself. That's right. That's right. So, um, <laughs> at the Transgender Day of Remembrance, um, if people send the checks to Ruth Ellis Center mm-hmm. and they put on there for trans sisters... Um, Trans sisters of color or TSOCP. Okay, and then you'll 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 make sure that it gets to wherever it needs to be gotten to. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, Bree, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for your time. It's been great talking to you. I'll talk to you more. I want to thank tonight's guest, Bree Ann Campbell, one of the founders and executive director of the Trans Sisters of Color Project. Contributions to 
TSOCP can be sent to the Ruth Ellis Center at 77 Victor Street in Highland Park, Michigan. Be sure and put TSOCP on the memo line or just write Trans Sisters of Color Project. That's all for tonight. I just want to remind you, you can listen to this show or any of the past shows by following Collections by Michelle Brown on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitchers, or SoundCloud. Again, that's all for tonight. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.